Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 95 of the Speaking Club podcast. Now they say honesty is the best policy. And I agree. Except when your other half choosing a different outfit means you're going to be late. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hi there and welcome to the show. My guest today believes that we've lost touch with what makes us human and happy and she's put everything on the line to get the word out about how we can get it back. In this show I'm speaking with Nahala Summers, founder of the charity The Sunshine People. She's a collector of kindness and a speaker and a writer who's inspiring change across the world and in business too. Now, I first encountered Nala when she was doing a 500-mile walk across the UK, and I was intrigued by her message and the effect that I could see it was having on people and businesses as well. And she's since become a student and a friend. And as we rush headlong into the festive and biggest shopping season, I think she's got some great things to share that will help your mindset, your speaking and your heart. Now, before we go over to the interview, I just wanted to say how grateful I am for the kind people that have left a rating and or review for The Speaking Club on iTunes. Now, if you get value from the show, I'd love it if you could take a couple of minutes to do the same. I really appreciate it and it helps the podcast get found by other people who want to improve their public speaking too. Okie doke, let's head on over to the interview now. Nala Summers, welcome to the Speaking Club podcast. Thank you so much for the invite to come on. I'm really excited to speak to you today, Sarah. You're more than welcome. I'm excited to speak to you too. And I'm going to kick off by asking you how you got started on the path that you're on today. Because what you do today is very different from what you used to do. Yeah, the path to kindness came to me uh, really completely by accident. Um, it was back in 2012. Um, on, on March 23rd, my partner passed away. Um, and that, although was a huge thing in itself, it wasn't the path that took me to kindness. It was the subsequent um, interactions that I had with people. My partner passed away, incidentally, on a charity cycle ride and um, and called me and said he thought he was having a heart attack. And that was really the last conversation he would ever have. Um, he died very suddenly and unexpectedly. So the shock from that left me in a very uncertain and unclear place. And I wasn't eating or sleeping or doing any of the things that we kind of that I had taken for granted for so many years. And so much so that that gradually got worse and worse to the point that I wasn't then leaving the house. But on this one particular day, I went out onto the beach and I felt really compelled to, and the sun was setting. And I stepped out onto the beach. It was a little bit damp, so I was kind of knelt down because I really didn't have a lot of energy in myself at that point. 
And I was looking across the sand at a man on a horse doing a figure of eight backwards. It was a really astonishing thing to see. And I thought to myself, wow, I was just kind of drawn into this, what I was seeing. And a man came along and asked me if the horse was mine. And I said, no, no, it's not mine. And what he then started to do was talk to me about how horses had healing powers and really kind of positive stories about horses. And he obviously could see that I was completely grief stricken and sad about something. He didn't ask me, but he just started talking to me about positive things. And it left me with this profound lightness, you know, where everything in my peripheral vision had been very dark. The only way that I can describe it is like there was this pinprick of light that started to shine through. And I wasn't suddenly healed from the grief by any means, but what it started was kind of this road to recovery where I started to realize the power of kindness. And I started to notice kindness around me more and more. But it became the catalyst so much so that I ended up climbing Kilimanjaro six months later in memory of Paul um, and raising £14,000 for his chosen charity. And kindness then just started to play a major effect on on everything, really. And that became the start of it. And do you, did you, at the time that you had that conversation with that guy, did you think to yourself, he's being very kind to me? Or was it on reflection? Did it happen in the moment? It happened on um, reflection when he walked away uh, because it was so profound, the effect that it had on me. And it was so big in terms of I had been, uh, I had isolated myself. I wasn't coping at all, but it became just something that became amplified. You know, that 10 minutes, I talk about the power of 10 minutes, the power of 10 minutes kindness to somebody, because you don't know the journey that they're going through or what's going on with them. So yeah, it was pretty instant. I understood it, but it was, it's something that has really, really stuck with me throughout this entire journey as being so powerful to me. So you had the conversation with him, presumably you went back indoors afterwards and then was it like a, a flick of a switch change? What happened when you got indoors? Did you just, did you start doing stuff straight away or were you thinking about it? How, how did that work? No, it was very gradual over the coming weeks. I then started reading about different things. I then started watching things that were more positive, you know, different motivators and different things like that. And it just kind of put me into a very different path way really to the one that I had been in which was um barely existing so yeah cool and so when was your sort of first act of kindness how did you translate it into the movement that you started what did you do you know was the first big thing you did well even little thing to be honest yeah I can really remember going I went to the shop about a week later this is a really small thing but I'll tell you about the two things but I still remember this and I remember walking into the shop and I wasn't having that much contact with people to be fair and uh, and there was a woman who was trying to reach something up uh, on a high shelf and so I reached out and got it for her and she said oh yes oh I love these don't you love these and I started this little conversation with her and I felt a little bit lighter again and I can remember thinking this it's a powerful thing really and I and it started me contemplating 
I wonder if the lady looks out for opportunities to have conversations. Maybe she's alone and and it just, yeah, it got a whole thought process around it. But what started me on this whole journey really was I had climbed Kilimanjaro and raised the £14,000. What happened was I called the charity and said, what will we do with the money? And they said, well, it's just gone into the big pot. And I said, oh... And there was nothing they could do that would be set in his memory. So I started to do things. And so the first thing that I started to do was climb Snowdon. And I asked people, instead of donating money, to start doing an act of kindness for a stranger instead. So the first thing that I did for my cause, which I now call Sunshine People, was that I climbed Snowdon and it was uh, just I asked family and friends to do an act of kindness and and that's how it really all started. Well let me just go back a little bit so there you are uh, in shock grief-stricken you've had these couple of light bulb moments around kindness and then it shortly after that you're climbing up Kilimanjaro. <laughs> what happened? Why did you do that? What made you do that first big thing? Yeah, somebody had suggested it, that they were going to do it. And so I said, you know, I can come support. So we went to the uh, supermarket chain that Paul had worked for. And we got up different stalls in each of them and did a whole kind of fundraising activity going on and made it something quite big, really. And I kind of got swept away with it, really. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can describe it. I got swept away with that. And how was the experience of climbing Kilimanjaro itself? Did you have any sorts of more revelations when you were in that environment? It was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> People do that for a holiday, and I don't know how they do that. I, <laughs> I have total respect for them. Um, for me, it was a real challenge, and because... I had some challenges going up and even more challenges coming down. It was really interesting, actually, because when I was on the final day and anyone who's done Kilimanjaro knows it's pretty um, grueling, cold. You've already done three days. The If you're suffering from altitude sickness, it's pretty horrendous. I look like the Michelin man going up with all my uh, warm weather gear. So, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But I stopped... And the guide said to me, uh, "Why?" So I, I said, I, "I don't want to do any more." I was probably about five hours from the top, and we were kind of following up the hill. I said, "I, I don't want to do any more." Anyway, he said, "We're so close." You know, and he kind of shook his hand and got me to carry on. But at that point, I would have given back the fourteen thousand pounds. <laughs> it just, you know, it felt like this just isn't important enough. But when I cycled across America last year, that was horrendous as well. But I wouldn't have stopped, you know, and it was dangerous. You know, there were moments when I thought, actually, I could be killed on doing this uh, very easily. But it was funny because the acts of kindness as they came in and the impact that it was having on people um, watching me do um, the cycle across America while it was much harder, I wouldn't have ever thought to give up because it was just too important. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it started with raising money with Kilimanjaro, but the first thing was Snowden, and then I just kind of kept doing these small things with family and friends, and then uh, yeah, and then I ended up cycling across America and doing lots of things like that. 
So tell me why kind, I mean, I know that kindness started you on the journey, but why did you choose kindness and not money? And how do you measure that, if you like, in terms of, you know, how do you measure whether you're being successful or is there, do you have to set a target for the number of acts of kindness for the thing that you're doing? How does it work? Yeah. Um, what happened with the money and kindness thing was after the charity kind of said, well, it's just gone into the big pot. I had realized that what I was doing was I was putting Paul's memory down to money. And that wasn't what our life was about. And it wasn't what started me on the road to recovery. And so kindness for me in society is much is worth much more than money. You know, we need to find a way to come back to each other. And while we're putting emphasis on money, that isn't going to happen. You know, it's interesting now as people talk about this kind of getting rid of the stop buying things, so important, buy experiences, um, if you're going to buy gifts, um, and let's think about things. You know, this is what kindness is about. It's it's not about constantly um, making things about money it's about that human connection and human interaction and that's all that kindness is you'll have to remind me of your second question how do you measure whether what you've done has been successful because you know we do I understand what you're saying about money but money is a measurement in so many ways as a measurement a lot of people has it as measurement of success and you know businesses measurement it's how do you have you got a kindnessometer or how like what sort of how do you measure what's the target for each challenge yes i i have had um a target for each challenge and there's a there's a big target coming up next year when i started this i um wanted to get a target and i have got targets but I don't believe that that is the most powerful thing. So when I cycled across America, the the target was 3,000 acts of kindness. But getting people sometimes to go onto the website and write about it is more of a challenge. Right. But people will tell me about it. People will write stuff to me, people I've never met before. People stop me in the street and say, I did X, Y, and Z but they weren't necessarily right on the website. So what I started to realize was that actually I'm trying to measure something that's almost immeasurable. I have come over the years to realize that what I put out into the world, I won't always see what comes back from it. And, Mm. um, and that is probably a better way for us as humans to interact than having to measure everything all the time, in my opinion. Although Mm. saying that, next year we're looking at measuring one million acts of kindness. And we are doing that through the website. And what we're doing is opening up onto organisations and individuals and everybody so that we can start to change some of the negativity, particularly that's happening in the UK, but across the world with the political situations and start Mm. to say, it doesn't matter who sits at the head of a country and makes decisions on our behalf. What really matters is how we interact together. Because together, when we're united, we can solve all these different issues that are going on. Yes, of course, you know, we it'd be much better if we had somebody making some good decisions at the top and we wouldn't have to do all of that. But there is a lot that we can do for ourselves um, and make positive change. We're not going to solve the world necessarily, but we are going to make a bigger difference than complaining about what's going on in the world. So, yeah, next year, it's uh, the aim is to get a one million acts of kindness. 
And this time the website is being designed so that it's very easy for organizations to go on, um, encourage their employees to go on. And there'll be a kindness meter, actually, that's just coming up next week um, that will tell us where we are in terms of the measurement for that. Yeah. Brilliant. I just want to pick up on a couple of points there. I think that's a really good point about um, how we feel about what's going on in the wider world because I think you're absolutely right you know there's so so many times when I you know speak just speaking for myself find it so distressing in some ways but you can then just give up or you can say but I have got control over my own life and 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 the lives of people that I interact with and you just try and do good rather than focusing on what you can't control. It's almost like the the sort of um, the credo for Alcoholics Anonymous, isn't it? I think it's something about focusing on what you can change rather than what you can't. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, I don't know if anyone's listening to this that could help you, but I wonder if a, a mobile Sunshine People app might help with the kindness as well. That might be something to think about. Yes, you are not. You are the second person in ten days to say that to me. Mm. Um, so yes, anybody that knows how we could do that uh, and quite quickly <laughs> would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we've talked a little bit about the challenges, not not in too much depth that you've done. How do you decide on the yearly challenges that you do? How does, you know, how do they come about? Well, they usually come about from what would I not want to do in usual circumstances and what seems completely impossible to me. So that's usually the starting point. Um, this year's challenge, I, I, I walked 500 miles from Swanage to Gretna Green and uh, I had no money to do it. So I was relying on the kindness of friends and strangers as it happened. And uh, there's a story all around that as well. That idea came from a, a chance meeting with a charity called School in a Bag, which is a wonderful local charity that literally puts schools in a bag and, and gives them to people who don't have that. So books and and uh, bowls to eat from and all sorts of great things. It's a really lovely charity. I had a meeting with them and I was saying, I don't quite know what to do. And they suggested a three-legged walk. Um I slightly adapted that because it was already a challenge. I was visiting schools and speaking to children on the way up. And so it had already been a challenge to get schools involved. I thought it's going to be a real challenge to get uh, enough people to come and do a three-legged walk with me. So I just I just made it a walk, which was obviously uh, a challenge in itself. And um, they also came up with the 2020 challenge. So for next year... I'll be doing 20 challenges in 20 countries. But they were talking about very physical challenges. And and as time goes on, I talk to people about it and then people make suggestions. And so then a friend of mine, Chris, said, well, why don't you try and feed 100 people with £10? And I thought, well, that's an interesting one. Rather than making it about physical challenges, why don't I make those challenges about kindness challenges? So Mm. things like, you know, paint the outside of an orphanage, build a well, feed 100 people, give a a, a day of free hugs, 
I've, I've linked up with Urban Confessional, which is uh, the free listening movement. So we're going to set that up in a new country. So I've made all of the challenges very much about kindness challenges now. So they kind of stem from one place and then I start to talk to people and then it kind of moves into something else. And um, yeah, it's a it's a real group effort of lots of people uh, really kind of putting a little bit of their thoughts in until it eventually comes to something. And, and I'm, I'm, the 2020 challenge will be making into a film. So the Kickstarter will uh, be open from the 1st of March. So uh, if anyone's interested to hear about that, they can sign up to my newsletter, of course, and, um, and help us out with that. And it will be made into a film, but also we're going to have social media students from Bournemouth University coming. And so they will um, be part of the challenge and come and be part of it. But it means that we'll just have constant social media footage. And why that's so important is because when I start having a conversation about kindness, people are naturally kinder. It's what happens. You know, every time I'm on the news, every time there's a news story, it's not for my ego. It's because when I start that conversation about kindness, somebody is automatically kinder. You know, I met a woman when I was doing my walk. She was down the canal path on the other side of Birmingham. It was about four days after I'd done a TV interview with BBC up there. I'd been on the sofa for five minutes. I had a five-minute conversation. And the woman was cycling past with her son, and she stop, stop, Rupert, come back. It's the lady of the television. <laughs> um, and so and Rupert had to turn his bike around, and he cycled back towards me, and he stood there. And they started this conversation about what Rupert had been doing, and that he'd been making these little gifts for his friends, and how the thank yous had been coming in. And, you know, and I said to Rupert, well, do you think you made your friends happy with it? And he kind of looked at me and nodded. And I said, well, do you think that they might all go out and be a little bit kinder to people because they're happy about the kindness that you gave? And he kind of looked at me and he had this look of the wheels turning and it was all falling into place for him. That was, uh, it's an incredible thing when we start to have a conversation about kindness because it all ripples out. Um, and it's that sort of pay it forward thing, isn't it? That's right. So, you know, getting it out to the social media, making the film about next year's challenge, you know, really having a conversation about why kindness is more important than the measurement of money, why it's more important than worrying about what's going on in the world. When we focus on kindness, we can, we can over rule all of that and I, I guess there was a question though you know if people are just donating kindness I mean you mentioned a kickstarter but if they're just donating kindness how, how do you keep the lights on because these the things that you're doing obviously cost and then keeping a charity going costs then mind you sort of eating yourself how does that you know how do you do that with the challenge, yes. I mean, Sunshine People is really is really a passion project that became my life. It was something that is really in the last two years that I gave up my corporate world um, and started focusing on Sunshine People. I sold my house to cycle across America. Wow. And great risk, yeah. So that was the start. And then I do everything myself. I have taught myself how to do everything, whether it's social media, videos, websites, everything. So I've never had to pay anybody. It's just been my time. So that was the kind of start of it. 
But obviously to make this bigger now, to make this really a movement and to get other people on board, because I've now saturated my time, I I can't do any more than I'm doing and to really make Sunshine People something. And also because we've got a cinematographer coming from America, we've got social media students, they need to be paid. So that's where the Kickstarter comes in. That's where we're looking at core sponsors who will come and be part of the film as well. So we'll fly a number of the employees out to be part of the film rather than just sponsor. They'll actually get to be part of uh, the movement itself. And so there's the Kickstarter. But we've just set up the merchandise as well. So there's merchandise that you can buy that's all around kindness, really our little cute little men, our six men from the logo, just doing lots of kindness things on on the things that we sell, like the cups and the T-shirts and stuff. And um, the big thing that will be happening in the future is the Sunshine People Kindness Awards. So they will start in 2021, uh, the closest date to Paul's passing. So it will be the 20th of March next year, which is the closest date that we could get. Uh, Oh, sorry, 2021. And people will start to nominate people that they believe are worthy for the award in April of next year, because it's quite a long process. You have a nomination period, et cetera, et cetera. So it's April next year. And that will really fund what we do. And it'll also support a events management student from Leeds coming on board from August onwards. um, And they'll help run Sunshine People event, but also some other events that we do in schools some speaking events and some great stuff like that the tide is turning for us to actually be able to raise some funds ultimately to keep this going because um yeah it was um it was getting a bit tight there really um (laughs) and being able to feed myself was uh, a little bit of a challenge so yeah I, I hope that the tide is turning for that that's brilliant and just I just want to talk about now you've recently written a book and that's aimed Uh, more at the corporate uh, side of things, isn't it? Corporate businesses. What prompted that? Yeah, I mean, I spent 15 years in the corporate world. And, you know, what I discovered through this kind of accidental research of kindness, because that's that's the only way I can describe it, really. I became an accidental researcher of kindness through this mission. And what I realized from my time in the corporate world was fundamentally the thing that was causing us, you know, the low productivity, stress and anxiety in the workplace and all those other things was fundamentally unkindness. You know, it was the unkindness of people, you know, the the not saying thank you to people, even though somebody had worked very hard, maybe the expectation of that leader wasn't quite, they thought, well, I don't want to thank them because I don't want to encourage that work ethic. Um, rather than saying, thank you, I appreciate what you've done here. Maybe what about thinking about X, Y, and Z? And just the way that we speak to each other in the workplace, you know, the secrecy that we have within workplaces and the divides that we cause within workplaces, the conversations that we have. And and ultimately, so many of those conversations are unkind. So I realized really that I had the knowledge to be able to change that. I had the knowledge from the un- the kindness research that I had been undergoing and along with my experience within the corporate world of which I had seen many different uh, organizations and structures within it. So yeah, that's where a culture of kindness came from and how we can change that to, you know, not just triage stress and anxiety, which is what we're doing with our mental health first daters and I'm not knocking that at all because I think it's really important but actually going in 
and fundamentally changing the need for that. It's a hugely important piece of work, I believe. And so if people read the book, are they going to be able to understand how to implement this culture of kindness into their business? Is that what it it basically does? Yeah, it's a very action-orientated book. So people will utilize it. I have a program where I go into organizations and change their culture within it and we do a health check to start with to say like where where is the organization first of all and then actually the next step is to read the book and do the online course and the online course is the next step to the book that book is you know even the fact that I bring it into that step-by-step program is so action orientated there's no point in reinventing the wheel for people so if you're a leader and you're thinking I want to I want to look at changing my department or, or I've I've got a small business a group of 10 you can look at purchasing the book and just work your way through it ultimately have you started to get results with it or is it early doors yet Yeah, I have started to get results from it. It's really interesting because I've got leaders who are getting in touch with me who are putting it in in, um, their small departments and they're seeing almost instantaneous results. You know, the way that people treat them because they're treating people. And so they start to change that culture pretty instantly. I'm about to work uh, next year from January with quite a large organization of 600. And that's really going to be the test to see what's the impact of focus on a small number of leaders, how does it then filter out to the rest of them? So we take half the organization, we focus on it there, and then we see the impact that it has on the rest of the organization, which is going to be a really exciting test. Yeah. Because I believe I don't necessarily need to work with an entire organization. I can work with a a small number and it filters out. And it will take a little bit longer, of course, Mm. you know, we can still make positive change. So yeah, no, it's exciting. And um, I have had some great compliments from some, um, you know, the, I interviewed somebody who's the corporate director from Aviva and he actually got voted as being one of the kindest leaders in the oh. Leading Lights Award that Pinky Lalani um, set up, brilliant uh, award system. He wrote to me and wrote a beautiful commentary about the book and uh, and said, and I learned so much from it and I thought well if he learned so much from it then I it's on to something for sure so yeah it's good that's brilliant try and get him to leave a review on Amazon as well (laughs) yeah that's right right. I'm not very good at doing all these chasing of people (laughs) but yeah I must do and and how does speaking fit into everything you do Speaking is everything, ultimately. It's because it's how I inspire people. It's how I change mindsets. It's how I share the story to make positive change. You know, without speaking, all of this becomes irrelevant. You know, even when I'm speaking within the schools, when I did the walk this year, I went and did talks in schools, for example. And the impact was that teachers were coming up to me saying, you've inspired the uninspirable. The young people who have been not inspired this year about X, Y, and Z, you know, suddenly came out, oh, she was so inspiring. And that was the pattern that happened throughout all of the schools, really. And that's where I realized the power of speaking, really. So, yeah, I'm um, with a new agent now with speaking and... um, it's, it's just the start of everything. Everything. So when I go into an organization, that's always the start of everything because you have to engage them. And that's what speaking does. It engages people within the story, within changing into a culture of kindness. 
you know, if I just went in and said, okay, we're doing a health check today on, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I want you to complete this 80 questions and then send a report, you know, I haven't engaged those people in the journey. So speaking becomes fundamental to that, really. Mm. Brilliant. And do you have different talks do you do or do you have one talk or that you you adapt? How do how do you do it yourself? You know, I have a number of different talks. So I have a culture of kindness um, as, uh, you know, how and why we make can make more profit from kinder leadership because people do care about money and I need to appeal to the audience. Um, but also that we reduce anxiety and that we get employees want to stay within their jobs, for example. Then there's the power of 10 minutes, a collection of inspirational stories. 10 minutes can change people's lives. Then it's impossible. So that's designed to share the challenges of the challenges that I've done. So the challenges within those and how I overcame them and and how it'll inspire and motivate people ultimately, yeah, along with a few laughs along the way. So that's always important. Humor is always important. <laughs> and, have, and based on your speaking experience, have you got any tips for other speakers? I guess especially for those that are associated with charities in this instance, based on your experiences and what you've discovered. Yeah, I think it's being authentic when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and which can be difficult for all of us. It's the most powerful type of speaking. I think getting as much experience as possible And if that's working with yourself as well and gaining more exposure, really just keep working on it. Um, Structure, you know, something that I worked with yourself about as well. You know, having a really strong structure will keep your listeners on the journey with you. And if you're trying to, particularly within the charity sector, you are aiming to inspire them. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to lose them on that journey. So structure is important. Again, you've got lots of stories to share. It was an absolute, absolute pleasure working with you. Now, I, I guess, aside from the one, I'm curious about this, aside from the one act of kindness that started you on this journey, what is the act of kindness that most that you've experienced from someone else besides that one that is most represents what you're trying to achieve? I will share the one with you that happened in year one in Snowden. And I had asked family and friends to sponsor me. People who just didn't get it, actually. They were like, can't I just give you £10? It would just be so much easier. And (laughs) it's like, no, it's not the point. That's not what we're going for here. And I had a friend of mine and he'd said to me, I I am definitely going to sponsor you. I just don't know what it is yet. I said, oh, that's all right, you know. And and then I spoke to him a few weeks later or, you know, and he said, oh, I am, I haven't forgotten. I'm definitely going to sponsor you. And didn't think much of it. And then a few weeks later, up popped um, a notification on Facebook of a story that he had shared. And it went something like this. He had taken his son for his son's birthday for an event that had ended up being cancelled as it happened. And so they were walking up through the city centre. And as they were walking up, there was a man who was homeless that they were about to walk past. And his son had 10p in his pocket and he said, Dad, can I give him my 10p? And his dad said, yeah, of course. And and he had also given him like his change, which he said, I had like 30p. It was quite embarrassing really but you know we we use cards so and he said and then we we carried on walking and 
his son asked him, he said, um, why is he homeless? And uh, my friend said, well, I don't know. You know, everyone has their unique stories and, and things happen in people's lives and we don't know what they are. And he said, and then I remembered that I had to sponsor you. And he said, so I asked my son, because it was my son's birthday and it was his birthday treat, if he wanted to invite the man to come for his birthday dinner and and we could ask him about his life. And his son, because his son has no fear, said, yes, yes, let's do that. And my friend wrote, you know, about how he was suddenly like, oh God, is this the right thing to do? I felt nervous and uneasy about it. And, you know, was I doing the right thing? And ultimately what happened from this beautiful story was that they took a man for dinner and he said, and what happened was that me and my son learned more and gained more from it than the food that man ate that day. They took something away that was so much greater. You know, they had a a pretty great life. And so his son had, you know, been quite privileged in what he had had. And what the lesson was learned was that his son learned that there is a fine line between the man who they took for lunch, dinner that day and their own life. You know, there is only a few decisions away, a few things that need to happen in life. And that we that whole story represents everything around Sunshine People. It's about breaking down the barriers between different people leading different lives. It's about a human connection of people sharing stories and coming together. It's facing the fear of being kind that we often encounter. You know, what if that person rejects what I'm saying? What if this person, you know, doesn't actually need my help? And all the the things that fear brings up um, through kindness. And that story for me represents everything to do with that. It's about us just ultimately coming back together and uh, finding ways to connect. Oh, I love that. That is really inspirational. I'm so glad you shared that story. Really lovely story. I love the fact that they got so much more than the the food they gave. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that was year one. So um, that was the Snowden year. So you can imagine after that story, that was really a spur on to me. I was like, yeah, that... Yeah, this is definitely the right path. This is what I should be doing, um, you know. And I'm I'm six years on now, so. And just I'm just curious: Have you compiled these stories that you've come across into? I know you've got the book, but are they in the book, or is there another book that you could do to have these stories in? Yeah, there is another book uh, that could be done. Um, I have a wonderful lady who does stuff for me, uh, Emma, and this is one of the things that she wants to see, a book that's very much about not kindness within the corporate world, but kindness within our life and incorporate some of those stories, but also gives guidance on how do we change our home lives to kinder because sometimes that even that's a challenge you know we're going through our own stresses um, and bringing them into our home life and how do we stop that and how do we love wholeheartedly you know Brené mm-hmm. Brown talks about it beautifully and about vulnerability um, and so yeah my dear Emma wants me to do that book next and because the other side of the coin I'm, I'm very much 
um, at the moment working on the spiritual metaphysical side and trying to incorporate it into what I do in my business life. And, and of course, the other side of the coin, and I guess it's what those two, the father and son got, is also the gratitude for what you've got uh, already because that's the other side of kindness is, is, is being grateful for, for the kindness that you have, have had in your life and received and, and, and all that good stuff too. Does that come into it at all for you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's really interesting. I attract a great deal. I, I, I don't necessarily want people to be kinder to me. I don't necessarily feel that I need that. I'm not looking for that validation, but I get an ex- extraordinary amount of kindness towards me uh more than I have ever had in my life I think people are kinder towards me and I'm incredibly grateful for that so my levels of how I am grateful for things um has increased as well and my gratefulness and sometimes I feel it so strongly like within my very being um and so that just grows all the time and um and I think you just attract more of it really when you keep doing it so yeah I'm very much a believer of that Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of that stuff. Now, I've got a couple of standard questions before I ask you about where people can get hold of you and the stuff that you've done and to the Kickstarter and all sorts of good stuff. So first question, uh, what's the best? I mean, we may have covered it, but what is the best thing that speaking has done for you? Oh, what is the best thing that speaking done for me? I don't know whether it's for me. I think it's the knowledge that I've inspired others. I think that's what speaking has done for me, just given me that, you know, inspiring people is a huge value to me. So it gives me an opportunity to be able to do that, I guess. Yeah. Perfect. And what's the worst gig or speaking experience that you've had? Has there been one that just sort of sticks in your mind? The worst one? I don't know. (laughs) Um, If if there is, I've clearly gone, I don't want to remember it. Um, (laughs) I don't think I've had one, to be fair. I think it's very difficult to say that because I um, I deliver a very easy message for people to take on board uh, with any of my talks. I don't think there has been one, actually. Well, that's very good. That's the, let's, <laughs> let's hope that continues on. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Cool. Okay. Now, um, the next question is, what is the one book that you've read that's had most impact on you and why? Oh, um, I would say, I mean, I wouldn't say one book. I would say the Brené Brown books generally have a pretty profound effect. I haven't read them all. I've read a few of them. It's around that understanding of vulnerability. So okay. when we are allowed to be vulnerable, and it, what happened with that is it linked in so nicely with the work that I do around kindness. And I realized that, you know, to be kind, we have to be vulnerable. There's so many books, but if I was to summarize a, a writer and a selection... I don't know. Also, Tuesdays with Mori. I don't know whether any any of the listeners have come across that book, uh, Mitch Album. That I haven't actually. No, what's, what's is, that about? It is a beautiful, beautiful story, and I I read it years ago, and I've read it again, and all of his books are actually stunning. But Tuesdays with Mori is pretty special, and it's uh, the last conversations that he has with a professor that he worked with. 
um, on his kind of professor's dying days. It's the most astonishing book. I, I do a podcast talking to people with a terminal illness about their life and just, you know, understanding more about them. And while it wasn't in, directly inspired by Tuesdays with Mori, I do believe that there is a that it, we have a huge impact when we understand people who uh, understand their own mortality. When we understand our own mortality, we start to live life more wholeheartedly. So yeah, the links between kind of uh, Brené Brown and, and Tuesdays with Mori. There's so many more, but I'll pick those two for now. Perfect. And I'll put a link in the show notes to those as well. Okay. uh, What's the best bit of business advice that you've had and why? (laughs) Um, Learn to know how to do everything yourself. You know, if you set up your business and you rely on lots of people, you're going to need lots of money to start off with. So if you are willing to put in the hours, learn something yourself, you know, we all have the power to learn everything from a computer now, which is a fantastic thing. So, yeah, I would say learn as much as you can yourself about everything, because later on you can hire people. But when you're starting off and, and trying to do stuff on your own, just do it yourself. So bootstrap your way to success. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. And then the last question is, if you could choose uh, one person, alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, to be your mentor, who would that be and why? Now... Up until recently, that would have been a really tough question. But I had this chance encounter recently on a train. I'm going to really quickly tell you this story. I got onto the train and there was a man to my right and there was a woman to my left. And the man on my right, as we were going along on the tube, said, oh, where's the best place to stop for the Tate Modern? Is it Blackfriars or Embankment? And I said, oh, God, I don't know. And I tried to look on my phone because I always want to try and help people. And I thought, well, there's no signal. Anyway, the woman next to me to my left said, oh, it's Blackfriars. And he said, oh, thank you. Anyway, I had to also get off at Blackfriars. So when the Blackfriars stopped, I stood up and I said, oh, I'll be able to point you in the right direction once we're up there because I'll have signal. And uh, anyway, so we start chatting on the escalator on the way up. And he's an American man and he's uh, from New York lives in Manhattan, loves the city, starts telling me. And he says, you know, what do you do? And, you know, I tell him about the kindness stuff and tell him about, you know, my book and how it's very embedded with emotional intelligence. And he said, oh, so have you heard of um, Daniel Goleman? And anyone who knows about EQ knows uh, Daniel Goleman is one of the key players within emotional intelligence. I said, oh, yeah, he's he's one of my gurus. And he said, it's interesting you talk about kindness because I – I've uh, just done a movie about kindness. I've just done a film. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And he said, yeah, you know, and I was walking him at this point to the Tate Modern because I was, you know, we're having an interesting talk. And I thought, well, I can show him the way. And anyway, so he then says, well, I'll gift you a ticket. I'm doing a showing at uh, St. James's Church on uh, Monday. You can have a ticket. And I said, oh, that'd be really kind of you again. And so then... I went to this film and I didn't really know what to expect, but it turns out that he is probably the only filmmaker I imagine that has done an up close and personal with his holiness, the Dalai Lama. 
um, which was astonishing. And 15 years ago, he had done a movie about him. And then just recently, he had done another one. But they had been done over years. So he's built this incredible relationship up with him. And who else is also in it is Daniel Goleman, the um, emotional intelligence writer and guru that I talk about. And is also a personal friend of him. So I'm like, this is quite astonishing, quite an astonishing moment. And I guess this brings me round to who would I, who would I ask to be my mentor? I have never really, while um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama is all about compassion and kindness, I've never delved into people who are interested in kindness or world leaders or any of those people. And the reason why is I haven't wanted them to influence the work that I do. I've mm. wanted the work to naturally and organically grow and the research to come from facts and figures and and then my own experiences rather than other people's experiences. So I never really got involved with any of that um, side of things. But when I watched that film, I went into a meditation for about an hour and a half it was the most astonishing film. The Dalai Lama was this beautiful, incredible person who had so much to offer and so much to share about how we just continue to love and care and have kindness. And you, I think if I was to uh, choose anyone, it would be him so that I can find out what it is, then bottle it um, and then give it out to people as gifts. It was it was a beautiful film and it really kind of brought light to uh, some incredible things going on in the world. So, yeah, it's called The Last Dalai Lama, question mark. Um, and the filmmaker, Mickey, he was, you know, an astonishing person as well. So, yeah, probably that person, I would imagine. Brilliant. Wow, there's karma working if, if, if there was an example of it. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Now, if people want to find out more about Sunshine, people about the book about you about the challenge where's the best place to go for that yeah you can go to um www.sunshinepeople.org.uk and there you can get all sorts of things like free resources for schools if you're there you know you've got a, a pack on there but you'll also be able to go on and do your act of kindness to count towards the one million acts of kindness that we're doing for next year. You'll also be able to follow some of the stuff that we're doing. You can sign up for the newsletter. That's the best way to kept updated on stuff and, and the Kickstarter and things like that. Because I send out just a monthly newsletter, but it keeps people updated on what's going on. To have a better understanding of, of kindness within leadership and the world of work and your corporations, it's you go to www.acult.com cultureofkindness.co.uk um, and there's all sorts of things on there you can get the book through there and you can listen to the podcast and do all those great things yeah and hear more about it there and of course you know we're all on social media so do I was going to say where, where can they find you on social media yeah, pretty much everywhere and um, some of them while they might be quite dormant at the moment they will pick up when we go out next year and do the 2020 challenge. So do follow and like all of those things. It's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, of course. So, And what's that? Is it at Sunshine People or at it, Nala Summers? Yeah, it's at Sponsor Kindness. Actually. Oh, okay, cool. Hashtag, yeah, so at Sponsor Kindness. Um, and my own is Nahala Summers. So I have kind of two sections to my work. Um, so yeah, and that's at Nahala Summers. There's, there's, there's only one me. Uh, okay. 
I just I just want one more thing. I think your the Sunshine People is up for an award at the moment. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Really exciting. So we managed to get silver last year for the charity film awards in the naught. They have different categories, and it's naught to ten thousand um, in however much you kind of make within the charity. So we're at the very lowest of the low, <laughs> obviously. Um, and so we managed to get silver last year, which was amazing. We're trying to go for gold this year, but we only make it with the votes from people into the next category. I think we've got like not very long left. Uh, we might only uh, have a week left, so I'm not sure if people will get it out in time. But um, yeah, it's the Charity Film Awards. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it's all over our social media at the moment. So Brilliant. do seek it out and give us a vote if, if, you, if there's time. Smashing. Well, thank you so much again. Really appreciate you talking to me. And um, I'm sure we'll catch up uh, as you <laughs> carry on your journey. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and good luck with everything you're doing, Arla. No, thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you for your support always. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. There you go. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Nala's journey and the stories it's created as much as I did. As she inspired me to do an act of kindness last week. And I'll tell you what, she's right about the fact that when other people see you do something, it makes them more likely to do it too. And make sure you visit the Sunshine People website to check out more about what they're doing and get involved if you can. And links are also in the show notes for the books mentioned and also the other charities that Nahala mentioned too. And just to say uh, that the book links are affiliate links, which means you don't pay any more, but we get a few pence to put towards the production of the show, which is really cool. As ever, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you did enjoy the show. And remember as well, if you want to open the show with a joke that you've heard or that you've come up with, as long as it's clean, you can head over to thespeakingclub.com and record it there along with your name and you could be sharing it with the world next week. Take care. Have a wonderful rest of your week and go out and grab your life by the nuts and be kind. Bye-bye. Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires, and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.